All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. If you've been listening in the past several episodes, I've hosted episodes and we've been talking about the topic of feedback and communication. We've gotten into radical candor. We've talked about how you can open up your leadership blind spots to improve communication on your teams. We've gained insight on how to handle difficult conversations. And then we discussed ways that you can improve your public speaking skills. But there's another crucial aspect to leader communication skills, and that skill is listening. And if you didn't know, on average, over 50% of the time you spend communicating is spent listening. 17% is spent reading, 16% is spent speaking, and 14% is spent on writing. So it's a key skill set you do. You spend most of your time doing it, but it's an aspect that I know we can all improve on. I even work to improve it now. And I know one thing I've heard that frustrates people on teams and in organizations is a feeling that they are not being heard. And I think that's a byproduct of poor individual and poor organizational listening skills. So I wanted to take time in this episode to pause and reflect on this crucial leadership skill, gain some insight, and then hopefully improve. With me today to discuss this is retired Fleet Master Chief Suze Whitman. Suze retired from the U.S. Navy after 32 years culminating in her role as the Fleet Mass Chief for U.S. Pacific Fleet. And since retiring, she's been involved with several organizations, the Defense Advisory Committee on Women in the Services, the Military Women of Tidewater, and she's doing work with the Women's Accepted Voluntary Emergency Service, or WAVES. She's the recipient of the 2011 Navy's Captain Joy Bright Hancock Leadership Award for Inspirational Leadership, and she was also the 2011 Navy's Captain Winfred Quick Collins Award winner for Inspirational Leadership, and she also has an associate's degree from Columbia College. I think you're going to enjoy what she has to say. I know I am, and I'm glad I can catch up with her. So, Suze, welcome to the Cutlass Podcast. How is everything going? Well, first off, uh, thanks for the opportunity, and I'm very humbled uh, and honored to be here. And to you, congratulations on what you're doing to continue to serve uh, after your retirement. Very awesome what you do. And I listen always to your podcasts and read your USNI articles. And uh, thanks for getting our enlisted sailors voice out to the public. You know, I can't do that, any of this without support from you guys and your willingness to come on and join me to discuss these topics. So again, I really appreciate it. So what's the, how's life after retirement been? Life has been uh, great. I will tell you, just to be honest, it takes about a year, um, you know, after going 32 years full speed ahead and and coming to abrupt stop. It it takes about a year to understand, you know, what your new role is in life. And uh, it's been great. My family and I are spending a ton of time together and we are RVing. My husband, Tom and I are RVing and we completed a 15,000 mile journey this past summer. Wow. So that's kind of what we've been doing. It's kind of a a goal of ours that we've had since we've been married and we've been married uh, 33 years. And uh, you pick a goal and you shoot for it and it can happen. Yeah. You said you were going to do volunteer work and kind of just indulge in yourself once you're retired. So it's glad to see that. I've tried to do that. I just keep taking on stuff. So, but that's all right. Hopefully it uh, continues to make a difference. And thanks again for joining me. So I always thought you were a great listener did a lot of time, you know, on active duty together. I've watched you from a variety of perspectives. I've listened to you and I thought you were clearly a natural fit for this topic. So I wanted to start with some basics and let's just ask, why is it important to be a good listener? I believe being a good listener is key to communication. It helps you as a leader or as an individual understand the viewpoints of others and not just yours, but other viewpoints. And uh, it leads to uh, building relationships and friendships, if you think about it. 
I, I like to talk about the respect piece about active listening, because if you are a person that constantly interrupts others, like the speaker, in my experience, it never leads to a meaning or enlightening conversation. It actually brings in a whole bunch of anxiety. And I believe um, the bottom line is if you sit there and you interrupt all the time, it's just showing how immature you are. And in my own words, to tell you, it's very rude. We talked also about personal development. And frankly, as a leadership skill, it makes you a more effective leader and it helps build that trust and credibility so that you're not leading from a position of do it because I say so. You're leading from a position of do it because I've got credibility, some character because I listen to you and I'm a leader that makes you want to contribute and do more for the team. Absolutely. We've seen good listeners. We've seen bad. I know, you know, I've struggled with this. I still do from time to time. And I don't think you ever learn this or I don't think you ever have it down. I think you have to each conversation just reset and mentally focus because there's so many things that can get in the way. Whether your intent is good or not, things get in the way and we're going to talk about that. But overall, why do you think people struggle with their listening skills? I think it's our desire to talk and to show how smart we are. And like you said, you just have to be very cognizant of you and what you do as trying to talk and just stop. And hit the reset button and let the speaker speak. And I think the other thing is, you know, our ego gets in the way. Like I said earlier, it's about thinking that you're smarter than that person. And those of us who are secure are confident listeners. And we respect and value the ideas of our speakers. So ego is a piece that will get uh, in the way of listening skills. Also, our brain, you can't shut it off. You know, we, we think about multitasking as we're sitting here listening. And I'm sure I know I'm thinking of something else as I'm talking. And I and I think you're probably as a listener thinking of other things. So it, that's just something that's really super hard to turn off is our brain and, and to focus in on the listener. And it's not coming from a bad place. You know, I am hearing what you're saying. I'm interpreting it. But then my mind is automatically formulating a response. Uh, and we'll get into the timing of that response. I think more often than not, it's maybe you're listening and you're hearing, but you're formulating and you want to get that point across too quickly. And then uh, I think another thing that gets in is, you know, we may have a tendency before we even get into the conversation, there's a mindset that's developed, you know, where you're starting to already, you know, you might already have had experiences with a person before and the mind starts to build, you know, these cognitive biases start to kick in and you start to judge ahead of time. What's been your experience with that? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, if, if you are listening to a speaker that you already disagree with what the speaker is going to say, maybe maybe you don't get along with that speaker, though you should be professional. There's just some things that just get in the way. Maybe you believe that that speaker um, isn't the right person to be talking about the topic at hand. So that's some biases. You know, me talking about women on submarines, and I've never been on a submarine. And, you know, there was a lot of flack in the beginning um, as you, you talk about women in the submarines. And then, you know, as they listen on, they're like, well, how the heck do you know what you're talking about? Because you're not a submariner. So, yeah, I've, I've had some biases against me. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you understand what you're talking about and you've researched it and you've actually been on a submarine and you were part of the policy procedures, then it kind of changes their bias just just a little bit but it does it does change change their biases so on the delivery and the speaking and the you know delivering influence side it's one of those things you immediately have to consider in your audiences this is why we talk about you know knowing your stuff and having competence and character because as soon as you before you even start to speak people have already 
they're sizing you up. They're thinking about what your background is and credibility in their mind and why they should listen. So it's just a barrier that we all do. I know I've done it, unfortunately, and I think we see it in a broader conversation. We don't need to get in that in America where people aren't even willing to listen to their perspectives on the other side because they're so ingrained in their own mental perspective and their mindset that uh, I think that's a huge one that closes you off to listening and exploring other perspectives and learning. I think this is all about making the organization better, right? And getting that feedback that's so crucial to improvement. All right, let's get into some of these barriers to effective listening, specific ones. So obviously, there's the physical noise that's out there, right? In some cases, you can manage this or you can avoid it. But in other cases, you're going to have to communicate it with noise and physical barriers there. So what's your experience and advice with this? So like you said, I I would try to like leave the area if I possibly could, you know, whether it's uh, loud equipment, phones ringing, just other people talking around in the area. You just you just try to try to leave the environment. But sometimes you just can't because you're in the thick of things and you and you can't leave the area. Um, but I have a, a pretty cool sea story to tell you, and it's when I was a uh, recruit division commander at RTC Great Lakes, Illinois, and it was during P-Days. Uh, most of us understand what P-Days are, but to set the stage, P-Days are very confusing, loud. The RTCs uh, causes anxiety to the nth degree with our recruit to our recruits. We had just come out of chow and the division was standing in formation and I had a recruit with his sock caught in his pant leg. And we all understand that how important it is to wear our uniform and to wear it properly. And at boot camp or at RTC, we have what's called the Fleet Quality Assurance Division. And and they basically come around and they give street marks to RDCs and their divisions if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing properly. So they're like a QA for RTC Great Lakes. So as as the recruit was standing there with his uh, pant leg in his sock, I began to um, loudly and I'll just say yell uh, to the art, to the recruit to hey pull down his pant leg. Well, because of all the noise, to my crazy surprise, this this recruit actually pulled down his whole <laughs> sweatpants, and he's standing there. Uh, with his, you know, sweatpants around his ankle, and thank God um, that he has his required PT shorts on. That are that is a must for all sailor or recruits yeah. at RTC Great Lake underneath them. So if you can see this, you know, there's one recruit in formation, and um, he's the only one with the uh, pant legs around his ankle. <laughs> so in retrospect, what I should have done was basically gesture to his pant leg as I was yelling to him in formation because it was so loud. You know, the bottom line is that I humiliated that recruit uh, and that division. So a lot of you might be asking, hey, what happened to uh, Suze, who was a senior chief at the time, senior chief Whitman? Well, let's just say that I had to explain myself not only to my ship's LCPO, but at the time, my fleet LCPO. And uh, after the fleet LCPO, you know, then is the command master chief of RTC Great Lake. Nothing catastrophic happened. And it's kind of a jovial sea story. But understand that there are sea stories out there with physical noise and barriers that lead to loss of ship and the loss of our our shipmates. So it's very important to understand your environment and the barriers that you have when uh, you need to convey an order. Yeah, so clearly that was a learning experience from you as a leader on your listening, not your listening skills, but communicating in a noise environment and the impact that can have on other people's listening skills. And then I think another point you touched on there is there are costs. 
poor listening skills can have not just personal costs, but it can have costs in risk to mission, or it can have costs in safety, right? So if people don't hear the direction and the guidance or see things, or they're not listening, or the environment isn't conducive to that, they misunderstand direction, guidance, and intent, and then bad things can happen. So again, another reason to fully understand, or if you're getting, you know, given direction from you know, a supervisor and you're not listening and you misinterpret it, you can take management processes off track. You can cause delays in production and a bunch of things. So this is another reason. It's not just I'm an effective listener and I'm portrayed as a person that's approachable because I have great listening skills and that interpersonal piece. There's an organizational piece to this as well. So I think that was uh, that was a great story to highlight that. So before we move on to this, I'll also say there's a reason why in these noise environments, so as you know, we both served on aircraft carriers, you know, we have to operate on a flight deck, right? You're going to launch aircraft, loud jets. There's a whole choreography that goes around. Yes, they're on the microphones and they've got the headsets and they can communicate that way, but everything is visually choreographed to a large degree as a way to overcome that physical barrier. So just consider that in your listening skill building. So let's get into nonverbals. Uh, and I just touched on that, but how important are nonverbals and how do they play into your listening? When I said my C story, I said I should have really just did the nonverbal sign of having the, the recruit to his pant leg and his socks, body movements, you know, something that we do hand gestures. You can either do a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That basically says something, moving your head up and down, you know, whether you agree or disagree. You as a speaker, you're speaking out to a crowd, and if you see someone slouching, right, think about you're, you're having this great speech, so you think, and you have someone slouching in a chair, well, that conveys, you know, hey, they're bored or not interested in what you have to say, and they're really not engaged. The funny thing is about somebody frowning or smiling, that actually says to you, are they really listening? Do they agree? And eye contact, I believe, is one of the most important nonverbals. It builds trust and trustworthiness with you as the speaker per se. And what I find funny too is if you've ever seen a speaker get up or you're speaking and you see someone and they just start they're they're sweating. They're just completely sweating or blinking. That shows whether they're confident or competent. And uh, if somebody gets up and just starts sweating, you know, they're really nervous. So are they really competent on what they're saying and do they believe in what they're saying? And the last thing I would say about nonverbals, Paul, is I call it a fun fact. 70 to 80 percent of our communication makes up nonverbals. So that's a that's a huge percentage of our communication. So nonverbals, it's key. It's key to communication. Yeah, it's that communication model. Right? It's fundamental. There's a deliverer. There's a receiver. You know, you're sending a message and then they reciprocate with some kind of feedback, hopefully to you, that the message is understood and carried out to your point. If you're effectively listening, you're, you've shut mouth off for a few seconds, you're listening, you're interpreting, but the nonverbal is a good way to send that feedback to the other person that, yes, I hear what you're saying, I understand, and try to keep that feedback neutral. And I think that's good to understand that. But at the same time, as a speaker, is being able to read the nonverbals of the people you're communicating to, especially in a noise environment. And mental noise, that's our perception of the speaker, our biases. We touched on that earlier. You know, you come into the conversation, you already set yourself up for not listening, perhaps. So what's your personal experience with the mental noise and barriers and how has this impacted your listening and what advice would you offer to help listeners manage this mental noise? The mental noise is something that you, you really can't see. It's all internal. And you really have to find a way to quiet that noise. And it can be totally hard. 
and in your mental noise, you're telling yourself, yourself, you know, hey, um, there's a sense of superiority that leads a listener to believe that you have nothing to learn from this speaker, okay. which is not because I believe you can learn from anybody on any topic. And you as the person listening, you know, you don't know everything. And I think that piece has a lot to do with what I call mental chatter. And also what I would say is you're, you would rather be hearing your, listening to your own thoughts than the speaker's words. You kind of turn, turn the speaker off. You know, for, for my advice and managing what I call the mental chatter, it's, I have this crazy thing. I watched this movie. So for Kevin Costner to shut down the chatter in his mind, he would say something to the effect of clear the mechanism. And when I watched that movie, I took that on for me to stop the mental noise and pay attention to the listener. That, I think, in fact, is is how I close the mental chatter. Okay. It sounds corny, but it works for me. It might not work for you, but like I said, it sounds corny, but it does work. I breathe. I, I take five minutes, a five-minute break in between. You know, by the time I have to get in to sit down before the, the speaker's introduced, and I take five minutes, and I try to clear everything out of my mind. Okay. And, and I just take a huge, deep breath, and then I go in and I sit down. Uh, that's kind of how I go through and clear what I would call the the mental chatter. I think everybody has mental chatter all the time. You know, if we're not busy, then we start, you know, listening. Our brain becomes a little bit more louder. Absolutely. So that's what I do, Paul. Okay. I think the movie was for love of the game. I think that's the one where it was oh, yeah. the pitcher. For the, the game. Yes. Yeah. I love that movie, by the way. So um, yeah. there's some other stuff. You know, you and I wrote down some thoughts concept, quote unquote, mental laziness, right? So there may be an unwillingness to listen to complex or detailed information, right? So that's a point. And when you go in, there's a mental decision already, oh, this is going to be too technical. That might turn you off if that's uh, one piece of it. And that might set you up to not fully listen. Another thing could be boredom, right? It's not a subject you're interested in, or it's not a speaker you're frankly interested in, or you've seen them speak before and you've already set up a belief that you know, they're not going to deliver anything of, of worth. Uh, and hopefully that's not a misplaced sense of superiority, as you talked about. Confirmation bias or cognitive dissonance where I only hear what I want to hear, right? So if you're, if what you're saying is validating what I believe, then I'm on board with you. But as soon as I start to hear something I don't want to hear or something that strays from my value and belief system, boom, I turn it off. And I think also this is one I've struggled with is impatience. I'm internally impatient, not in a bad way. I just tend to be an impatient person. And when people come across deliberate withdrawing out their points, to me, sometimes my struggle is like, all right, get to it. What are you trying to tell me here? You know, but that's my impatience as a listener. And that's my point that I have to understand and manage. You and I share that piece because I get very impatient as the message just continues to linger and linger. You know, I think we're brought up, you know, hey, get to the point so we can move on to the next, what I would call the next fire, right? And, and that's just something we do in the Navy. And I also struggle with being patient with speakers. So this is where it gets into, like you talked about, that mental chatter. And this is the point again, pause and reflect, right? So that's the point here is to be mindful of your listening skills and your own internal chatter and your own internal biases. And the next time you're out, you know, after you listen to this podcast, start to think as you're listening to people, acknowledge like, ooh, there's some impatience or, hey, there's some biases kicking in or, hey, I felt bored that time, right? And then learn from that so the next time you try to listen, maybe you can help manage those things or eliminate them from your listening. I think uh, ultimately that should help you improve. 
again, I think this is something we all have to struggle with each conversation. And I'll tell you, Suze, even doing a podcast, I try my best to listen, but you know, I'm watching the the program that's recording. I'm like making sure I'm facilitating. So it's not uncommon to go back and listen to as I'm post-producing to hear and go, man, I don't even remember that part of the conversation. Um, <laughs> and it's not in a bad way. It's just like, to your point, there's a lot of mental stuff going on and that multitasking piece is one of those things that kicks in. So it's it's great often to go back and listen and go, man, that's a great point. And I, I can highlight it in, in a different way. So I think we've touched on this, but I want to dive in a little more. Many, if not all of us, tend to want to get our point across rather than listening to understand first, right? So it's not just listening to hear. It's listening to understand. That's the active listening piece. Or some people have called it, you're just waiting to talk. So what's your advice on how to overcome that urge? Because I think it really is an urge inside. And keep focus on receiving the message that's being sent. I kind of said it earlier. We want to hear ourselves talk. Just show everybody how smart we are. We want to tell our own stories. We want to offer advice uh, and even make some judgment. But what I, I could say is if, if you're not listening to the speaker, how can you provide sage advice and, and how can you understand? I believe we are not listening to understand, but to reply. So as, as we go into listening to the speaker, you know, we always want to stop and think and write down, okay, I think he could have said he or she, let me make this point for them. Or, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to be patient as the listener. Get to the finish line. Let let that speaker finish on his or her topic and then ask the question or provide a comment. But when you open your mouth, let me tell you, make sure your question is relevant and well thought out because everybody then is going to be listening to you. And you don't want to open your mouth and sound, you know, not prepared or maybe not smart thinking that you are smart. So let me ask you this. When is it appropriate to interrupt? Uh, so for me personally, I would not interrupt till the end. And for me, I think interrupting is being very rude. And that's just me, Suze. That's that's what I believe. So I don't interrupt until the end. What about you, Paul? I mean, do you think something different? So I'm kind of thinking in a crisis situation. I got you. you know, what's happening is going to um, is a safety issue to the crew, to the ship. To the aircraft, I mean, definitely, I would jump in and uh, have a correction and to to the person, or maybe if you feel that the the person that's in charge really doesn't know what they're doing and you have already done the evolution, I would jump in. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, that's been my experience too. You know, when you're in the brief process or day to day conversations that we talk about. Absolutely. I'm with you. You know, uh, you listen fully. And even in the crisis, there may be times when people are giving orders. But if it's, I think if it's something that's you know leading to something unsafe, unethical, it's going to get people in trouble. I think that's where you may be clear to interrupt and push back. But again, this Absolutely. is very situational. And I, you know, I've seen that on the bridge too. That one of the places that you would see that where they would jump in uh, and interrupt. You know, if they were given the wrong helm, the helm the wrong order. Yeah, and in some cases, you've you actually have actively listened at that point, and you've heard and you understand. You're just, I think you still got to wait. I don't. Most people don't. Uh, uh, shut it, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I have seen that from time to time during normal conversations, and that is not a good approach. But definitely operate nuclear power plants, you know, this concept of watch team backup and questioning orders that come out. Usually it's not during the actual delivery, but it's shortly after where people can shut down a, at least a line of thought. And I think there's times when it's appropriate, when it's a safety issue, ethical issue, or, or those kind of things. 
All right. So I think we've dove into most of the things I want to get at. So what, any last thoughts uh, that you want to offer listeners that we haven't touched on or uh, any last minute advice? Uh, yeah, I think the first thing I would I'd say is um, understand what the with them is. What's in it for me? Why am I listening? The bottom line is you're learning something new, whether you believe it or not. It's something you've probably never heard of before. And when you're talking, you are only repeating what you already know and you're not learning anything. So why not listen? I mean, I believe it's a win-win situation. You got nothing to lose. Yeah, you might be losing some time, but hey, you're learning something new. Uh, And if you understand the topic, there's always going to be a nugget, one or two nuggets that you could use for the next time, you know, you're out and about having a conversation. So I got advice one time from uh, one of my admirals, Dan Cloyd, when I was out at uh, Naval Forces Japan. And, you know, as a command mass chief, as you know, we offer advice, right? So our bosses would hopefully be listening. And one time I asked him, I was like, hey, is there value in what I'm offering? He's like, hey, there's one one of three things I get when I'm listening, regardless of whether I agree or disagree. Number one, you validate something I'm thinking already, right? So I hear you. And even though, you know, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, you're offering something that validates a decision or a perspective I've got. So in that case, that's good. Number two, you may offer a new perspective, right? And may get me to change my decision. Or number three, I might listen, but I may dismiss it all the way, but at least I've considered the position, but I can tell you why, right? So that's a piece of the feedback. Once you've listened, you're acknowledging, you're giving your nonverbals. It's always great. The speaker-listener relationship shifts, and then you're now on the delivery explaining your perspective, and this back and forth goes on. So I think that's absolutely what it's about, learning other perspectives and ultimately making sure that we're achieving the mission, achieving organizational goals, and creating an environment where you're making a positive difference in the lives of other people. So I think that's a great way to, to segue out. Thanks again, Suze, for joining me. My guest today has been retired fleet mass chief, Suze Whitman. Suze, this has been great, and I look forward to when we can catch up in person hopefully soon once we clear COVID and some other things. So good luck and take care. Hey, thanks, Paul. And uh, just a final shout out to the new chiefs. Uh, I'm going to tell them to read your book because it is awesome. All right. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Good luck, Suze. All right, everyone, that wraps up another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. Make sure to check us out uh, online or check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel and then like and share. Help us spread the content and get this out to those who can use it to improve. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp. Reflect, improve, and grow, and then take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who dares to make a positive difference.